Just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to Sidebar Forever. If you like the show, please subscribe to us at SidebarForever.com as well as share episodes of the podcast on your social media. That way, new listeners can find us as well. It is October and it's time for another Halloween-themed episode of The Pod. Today we're doing a playback review of the 2012 film Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Starring Benjamin Walker as Abe Lincoln, we also have Anthony Mackie, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Dominic Cooper, and a handful of terrific character actors in supporting roles. This hyper-fictional reimagining of the life of Abraham Lincoln as law student slash political hopeful by day and axe-wielding vampire killer by night is outrageously fun. The film is adapted from a novel by the same name, written by Seth Graham Smith, who also wrote Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, another book in the historical fiction action horror genre. In our chat, Adrian and I praise the spot-on casting of actor Benjamin Walker, the clever story turns involving real-life historical figures and vampire mythology, as well as some of the almost superhero-level action sequences. We also make clear our slight disappointment with some of the CGI in the movie, despite it being a period film. But we end the conversation in full agreement. Even though we've seen dozens upon dozens of vampire movies, this one still thrilled and entertained us. I'm Swain Hunt. Yes, Adrian is with me on this one, back to back like Murtaugh and Riggs, swinging the axe as we play back 2012's Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. History prefers legends to men. It prefers nobility to brutality. Soaring speeches to quiet deeds. History remembers the battle, but forgets the blood. However, history remembers me. Before I was a president, it shall only remember a fraction of the truth. And hell will follow me. There is darkness everywhere, Mr. Lincoln. My mother was murdered. I can see the rage burning. Tip the balance for the good of all mankind. I shall kill them all. It's time we had a nation of our own. This war ends tonight. Only the living can kill the dead. this movie man i really really liked it i i actually half watched it because it's it's been running on uh on hbo max and on hbo for the last month or so i guess in, in anticipation of uh of halloween 
Mm-hmm. And so I'll watch a few scenes here and there. And um, but just sitting down and doing a full rewatch of it, I really enjoy it. I know it didn't do well at the box office and I know that uh, it doesn't have a very high score on Rotten Tomatoes. And, you know, the critics kind of panned it uh, for a lot of reasons. They liked the inventiveness of the storytelling and they liked the uh, the literary mashup of, you know, uh, historical fiction and then action horror. They liked that. But they thought that the, the pacing was off and in that it didn't know what it wanted to be, you know, because it would move back and forth between the two. And that's actually part of what I really dug about it. Yes. Like, you know, what I'm saying like I was watching the movie and I'd be like, oh, OK, this is a movie about Abraham Lincoln. OK, that's Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, that's right. I remember. Yeah, he had a lot of tragedies. And like, oh, shit. Abraham Lincoln just killed a vampire. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> You know, and then it would switch back and I'd be like, okay, Abraham Lincoln, he's in the town square, you know, he's talking to the people. He's a uh, political hopeful and uh, you know, studying to be a lawyer. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. This is a movie about Abraham Lincoln. Oh, shit. He is strung up in the pharmacy with this wild ass looking fucking vampire. I mean, I liked that. Yeah. Because, and from what I, I watched a bit of that uh, that documentary I shared with you. That's part of what the, uh, the 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 screenwriter, the guy who wrote the the books that the movie was ad- uh, adapted from, he wrote the screenplay as well. Mm-hmm. And he said that when they bought the they optioned the screenplay, he said they you know they met and everything, and they asked him, well, what would be your take on it if you were going to write the script? And he said, play it straight, as if this is really his life, but this fantastic part of his life actually happened. So, you know, you have to mirror, you know, the speeches in front of, you know, the other uh, uh, senators and Congress people and, uh, you know, him being president and being burdened by, you know, the, 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 the death war. toll and, the, and yeah. the Civil War, you know, all of that. And then you have to have him go out at night like fucking 1862 Batman. Yeah, or Blade. Yeah, You yo. know, Blade, yo, you know, I mean, and laying waste to them fools, yo. And they, I mean, I think they did a great job. It was very entertaining to me. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, man. And you know, the other thing too is that, and I know I've said on other episodes here on this version of the show and the previous incarnation that usually movies like this they get under my skin, you know, as a big history fan and someone who really takes, you know, <laughs> takes umbrage when, you know, history is played with, you know, when it's toyed with, you know what I'm saying? But I felt like this movie did justice to that for the reason you just said. It had enough of a balance of here's Lincoln giving the Gettysburg address. Here's Lincoln at the White House, like you said. You know, contemplating the death toll that's breaking this country apart during the Civil War. You know, here's him actually going down south. Well, he didn't go down south, you know, in reality, but showing at least in that way that he had a conscience about slavery. Just all these other things, you know, Mary Todd and they did have a sickly son. Like one of their sons actually did die. Mm hmm. So mm-hmm. it had enough verisimilitude there from the actual history to put in that you're like, all right, cool, that works. And just the added the added attraction of vampires and this supernatural element, you know, was really woven very well into this. And I thought very much so having the South be like an empire to itself ruled by the vampires using slaves as their human chattel. 
I thought that that was very well done and so devious that I could I could actually believe that that something could actually have happened. Right. The main the main uh, vampire Adam. I kept looking at him. I kept looking at him like, where do I know him from? Where do I know him from? And it's Rufus Sewell. Rufus um Rufus Sewell. Sewell? Sewell, I think it is pronounced, yeah. Okay. He's from Dark City. And I had to take a good look at his face. I was like, <sighs> I was trying to figure that out as well. And and I just glanced at his IMDB and I was like, okay, well, it seems like he's done a lot of things, mostly kind of overseas. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of stuff in American cinema. But I, Dark City didn't jump out at me, but you're exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Like when I took a good hard look at his face, it hit me. I was like, Dark City. That's where I know him from. Oh, okay, okay. And he played that role, man, as Adam, yeah. the <laughs> the oldest vampire. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was he was superb, man. I thought he was really superb. He wasn't Hans Gruber good. Right. You know, his performance his performance was just spot on for what they needed. Yeah. You know, out of that character. And 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 that was really great casting. As a matter of fact, I thought that the cast overall was really strong with one exception and I'll wait and get in, and I'll offer that later. Okay. Okay. But with one exception. So anyway, this movie came out in 2012. Again, it's based on a book written by a guy named Seth Graham Smith called Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. He actually wrote another book in this same genre called Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Oh, he wrote that as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and he wrote the screenplay to the movie. But the movie stars Benjamin Walker as Abraham Lincoln, Anthony Mackie as uh, his childhood best friend, Will Johnson. Yeah. Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays Mary Todd. Dominic Cooper plays Henry Sturgis, his kind of mentor. Yes. And, uh, and the aforementioned Rufus Sewell plays uh, Adam, the, uh, the, the main uh, vampire, the head vampire, I should say. The, the, the HVIC, the head vampire in charge. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then Jimmy Smith plays Joshua Speed. Oh, okay, yeah. The movie's directed by uh, Timor, Timor Bekmambatov. Okay, okay, we'll go with that. Yeah, that's that's the best I could do with it. <laughs> uh, and Timor actually he directed uh, Wanted. Uh, Wanted. Yeah, yeah. Angelina Jolie and uh, and James McAvoy. Movies rated R, of course, which is great because you know you could just let the blood fly and you know and 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 cut the limbs off and just be done with it. And uh, it had a ninety nine million dollar budget. It was not a success in the theaters. Mm-hmm. And again, it has a very low score on Rotten Tomatoes, but. You know, some of the things that people criticize the movie about, which I guess we maybe touched on a little bit uh, a moment ago, those are the things that worked for me. Those are the things that really worked for me and, and made it uh, and made it sing. But let's talk about some of the because this is one of those rare kind of modern movies that I really do think has rewatchable scenes where. Oh, yeah. Oh, this yeah. part and that part. And some of them are traditional to the action genre. And then some of them were just great scenes like. You know, when Abe, his father passes away and then he decides he's going to take his revenge on Jack Bartz. So it's the midnight attack on Jack Bartz. And, you know, it's, you know, under the moonlit, you know, water and then the, you know, the boathouse and he sneaks up on him and his gun doesn't work. And then he chases him into the uh, into the room. And then he realizes at some point that he's dealing, you know, with the supernatural. 
And uh, and then when he shoots him in the eye and he thinks he's put him down and then he walks away and then he looks back, the body is gone. Yeah, I was that whole sequence was really thrilling for me to watch, man. I was just like, you know, because you just felt like, oh, shit. Will I mean, uh, Abe, you're in over your head, dog. <laughs> you're in over your head. Yeah, for real. But that scene, the training montage, which is, you know, that's typical action movie. Him with the axe. Yeah. And, you know, that, yeah, they almost should have played that, 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 that. It was almost like one of those, you know, Steve Seagal training montages. Like, you coming out of a coma, he's up there punching the wood. Boop, 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 boop. Right. You're right. Um, the pharmacy scene was absolutely mortifying. When, uh, when Henry sends him and says, hey, you got to pick up a package at the pharmacy. Yes. And he knows there's a vampire there he's got to kill. And then when he gets there, the guy pulls, the, they fight, and he throws the powder in his face. Mm-hmm. And then he pulls the lever on the trap door, and he catches him. He's hanging upside down. With? And then he sees all those other black bodies yeah. hanging under there where he's slit their throats and draining them. Yeah. Oh, my God. It, that was just. Yes. Um, yes. But, yeah. And then, you know, the horse stampede. <laughs> was a little much. Just a tad. I was like, that that's the only part where I was like, God, there, there, there's there's canyons in Illinois? What? How is <laughs> what? <laughs> How did y'all go all the way out to Colorado and then come back to Illinois in one scene? There's not that many horses. Hey man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that, that was crazy. That was crazy. But um the, what about the uh, the plantation ball slaughter, yo? Man, you know what? You know what? Probably us being a combination of obviously we're we're, we're black, we're southerners, so we are very hair trigger when it comes to like that heritage, you know, as far as like slavery and everything. And that right there, man, that was on some dark southern gothic type shit. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. It was just like, oh, like that. That actually felt like something that they probably would have done back then. Vampires are not. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just man, so it's 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 funny how the movie it adroitly not plays with, but it deals with that racial aspect without being super explicit. Like you never hear. You know, the the N-word dropped. You know, there's nobody up there, you know, maliciously beating, beating slaves or nothing. But you do get that sense of danger, that sense of impending, like, doom and dread, you know, in those plantation scenes, for sure. You know, so it's like they didn't have to be so explicit with all the you know, quote unquote, usual tropes of like movies that deal with that antebellum period. Right. But it had just enough to really make that point and drive that point home for sure, man. Yeah. One of the, uh, one of my kind of criticisms of the movie as it relates to that was, uh, so Alan Tudyk, you know, from Firefly and Serenity and, uh, and more recently from the resident alien, uh, TV show, you know, Tudyk plays Steven Douglas, Oh, yeah. And there's a point in there where, you know, they're making speeches before, you know, the Congress or whatever. And he refers to the slaves as the blacks 
but he's essentially doing it a hundred years before that term had been ado- officially adopted by black people. That's right. It would have been like the Negroes. The Negroes and then eventually the blacks and then eventually African-American. Yeah. Um, so I thought that stood out to me. As a matter of fact, my wife was watching with me and she was like, okay, nobody used that, that term back then. You know, that didn't pop up until like, you know, what, the 60s, the 70s maybe? Yeah. But uh, but I mean a small a small criticism, but it was something that kind of stood out to me in terms of historical inaccuracy mm-hmm. uh, goes. But yeah, man, that plantation scene. I love the choreography of it. I loved uh, the wire work of it. Mm-hmm. The sequence, man, where the slaughter happens and then Abe comes in and he starts you know fighting with the vampires and he's he's getting the best of them, and then. The camera pans up to the painting on the wall, and then those yeah. figures come alive and come down. It was so creepy, yo. Oh, that was great. Oh, that was great, yeah. man. <laughs> it was so creepy. I was like, wow. And then, you know, he's fighting with him. But the part that I thought was funny, yo, that made me laugh. And I did turn to Chris and like, okay, wait a minute now. When the vampires were just about to get the best of them, they were going to slit Will's throat. And then Joshua Speed come crashing through the window on the carriage basically riding around inside the mansion and it has enough room to turn around okay. and then jump on the back of the wagon and then take and run out of there. And I'm like, wait a minute. How, they had enough room to turn around. How fucking big is this mansion? <laughs> that was, that was crazy to me, but I mean, it worked. It worked for, you know, for the kind of film this was, you know, you know, what you, I mean? know you know, I had another thought, you know, in terms of this movie, man, I was thinking, this movie with the wire work and historical setting and all of that, it reminded me of another movie, you know, kind of like this. Um, you ever heard of this movie? It's a French language movie that was imported over here back in like 2004, 2005 called Brotherhood of the Wolf. Did you ever see that? No. Mm-mm. Check that out if you get a chance. Um, that movie, just as it sounds... It takes place in France, um, 1760s or whatever France. And it's about these guys who are hunting this wolf that's terrorizing the French countryside. And you get into like the intrigue with French society and all of this stuff. That's what the choreography reminded from that movie reminded me of here. Because Mm -hmm. even though it takes place in 1700s France, there's all this wire work and all this kung fu. It's like, I think Wu Ping actually did some of the wire work. I was like, go ahead, Wu Ping. Okay, okay. (laughs) You know? So it's it's almost like um, Abe Lincoln, the movie, was a mishmash of like these several different movies. Like, had it not been for a blade, some of the choreography might not have been what it was. You know, especially like the way the um, Lincoln's, you know, uh, great coat was like swirling around as he was dispatching vampires. Mm-hmm. You know, definitely the wire work as well with Blade and, you know, Brotherhood of the Wolf and stuff like that, too. You know, so you can see the influence of a lot of different things going into the movie. You know, but as a whole, it still works so well. It could also see the influence of like um, comic books on it as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was looking on Amazon and I saw that there was a um, Art of Abraham Lincoln uh, Vampire Hunter book. And um, I looked up a flip through of it and had all the storyboards for the movie and concept art. And the concept art and everything was done by Aspen Studios, you know. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. Home of the late <laughs> Michael Turner. You know, Michael Turner, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I was like, ah, that's why this kind of looks the way it does. Like, the part where um, Henry Sturgis throws Jim Bartz up against the barn and he, like, cracks all the wood going up to the full moon. Uh-huh. That was such a comic book-like shot, you know, that there... And there are a lot of shots like that in the movie that you're like, man, that had to be storyboarded. Like, that had to be pre-visualized somehow. That just looks so great. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, Timor, the uh, the director, uh, is an artist as well. Okay. So... He, when he and the uh, one of the producers, who was also an artist, you know, when they first got together to start working on that, that's all they did was just, you know, sketch and draw and share images uh, just to try to get a visual sense in their own minds. And he would also, you know, like if they had to change a shot, you know, you, you think you're going to shoot it one way and then you find a location, and you realize you have to shoot it another way. So he could actually, you know, Timor could actually sit down and, and, and actually sketch, you know, and do storyboards and, and just do quick, quick drawings to show people what it was that he was visualizing, you know, while they were on set. Mm. So that was helpful. And I imagine a lot of that art really is, is uh, pretty impressive, but yeah, man, so many shots. I agree with you. That really did kind of feel like something straight out of a really well-drawn comic panel. Uh, we just like, wow, you know, this is just, this is just uh wonderful. And, you know, again, Lincoln in the movie kind of really was, you know, like one part Batman, one part Blade. Yes, yes. You know, his his hat was his, you know, his, you know, his, like his cowl or whatever. And, you know, and his coat was his cape or his cloak or whatever. And, you know, like you said, he would dispatch the vampires, you know, with ferocity. But and this is the one thing I really like too the uh, the final battle on the silver train. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The final battle itself, to me, really, you know, like in a lot of, uh, well, let me back up. Uh, uh, one of the things about this movie, I think, that stands out is the action, like what kind of what we're describing. It's really more like superhero aesthetics. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's very much superhero aesthetics. It's like, that's what they're leaning hard, almost like a Marvel movie in a way. Oh, yeah. So... In most of those Marvel movies, there's usually a MacGuffin or some fake reason why the you know we got to save the world or whatever. Or, you know, it just the third act becomes oh we got to stop the thing to do the thing to save everybody. Ah, okay, we saved everybody. But this, in terms of what they were trying to accomplish, how they accomplished it, and the final battle on the train, it was relevant to the to the time. It felt real. Like nothing about it felt contrived. Yeah, everything was leading up to this moment politically so that he could stop the war because the vampires had become soldiers in the war now. And so politically it became expedient for us to get to this point. And then personally, as you know, him as a vampire assassin, it was important for him to get to that point and stop Adam, who is, you know, essentially the, the head vampire. He's the first one. Right. Um, This guy's 5,000 years old. How about the sequence when uh, he was telling his story and they go into the animated, uh, the animated portion, and he talks about you know, uh, fe- you know they would uh, feed on the uh, Native Americans. Yeah, and uh, he 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 was alive to see Christians be thrown to the lions, and it was all animated. That really added something special to the movie, and it was a really brave move to just for those fifteen or twenty seconds, thirty seconds to go animated. But it worked wonderfully, I thought, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, man. And, you know, that that was the thing, too. It's like, 
you all, if, if you had made it to the movie by that point, you really did not, you really didn't mind the high quotient of CGI anyway, because you were already along for the ride. Right. So when it switched to just that animation, like you said, for those few seconds, you know, just for that brief scene, you know, it just added that extra to it. You know what I'm saying? Like it expanded that world just enough that you're like, oh man, like there, there's more stakes here than just right here in the 1860s. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I, I love it. I love it when movies are able to do that, you know, and they don't have to go into a long diatribe or a long passage about it, but they have some scene where it just expands just the world of that movie just enough that you're like, oh, wow. And it really brings up the stakes, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought so too, man. I, I thought that final battle on the train was great. Uh, was was really spectacular and and super over the top, like super over the top, but still, you know, just a fun thrill ride. Uh, by the time you actually got to it, and, and what about and what about the part that that we both like? I remember the first time I saw this movie, and you know, <laughs> they're they're on the train or whatnot, and um, a. Who, who was it? I think it was Speed or somebody asked like Will like man. So if there's no silver on this train, where is it? It was Sturgis. It was Sturgis. Oh, that's what it was. That's right. Yeah. And Will said this isn't the only railroad we have. And it's like ah yeah. Yep. I remember putting yep. my fist in the air like yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again. You know, someone who says, "Okay, well, if this was happening, what you know, what would they use? What would they do? What would be the tools they had at their disposal?" And um, as far as observations of the movie, man, um, like there were a couple things that I noticed watching it this last time. One, and they didn't play on this in any way, but the actor who played Abe's mom, who gets killed by Jack Bartz in the beginning of the movie, Mm -hmm. she actually looked a little bit like Mary Elizabeth Winstead, almost like he was. Oh. You know, they almost look similar, like, you know, they were cast that way on purpose. But mm. um, as to the uh, to the uh, to the supernatural, you know, silver is normally something that kills werewolves. So I thought it was interesting that they borrowed that from the werewolf mythology to use for vampires. I forgave it, you know, even though I tend to be kind of a, uh, a, a, a an elitist and kind of, a you know, a strict, you know, I tend to be kind of strict as far as those things are concerned. I like slow zombies. I like werewolves that are killed with silver bullets or silver. I like vampires that, you know, garlic and and, and stakes through the heart and, and crucifixes. That's my thing. And holy water. Exactly. <laughs> but but you know why they probably did that though? If if anything, for that for that scene of the battle at Gettysburg, because that's what they would have had in reality. You know, they had to mobilize all the residents of Washington. Give up your silver. Give up your silver. And the battlefield was only like 50 miles away from Washington. Like Gettysburg was real close. Mm. So to get that stuff and to make, you know, ammunition out of it, in some cases they were just stuffing the, stuffing the forks in the cannons. Just put it in there and <laughs> shoot the mugs, you know? Yeah. I thought that that really helped, you know, that scene as well. So that might be why they decided on silver because back then a lot of that silverware actually was silverware you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. okay okay all right well i'll absolutely forgive it then 
now that I, now that I have the uh, the historical point of view there, uh, for sure, man. But and I did like the new, and I assume this is new mythology. I had I don't recall ever seeing this in another vampire movie. Maybe I have, and I've just forgotten. Mm. But it seems like this is new mythology for this film. The idea that vampires cannot kill other vampires. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It seems like I've seen that elsewhere before. I can't place it, but that, but wasn't there, wasn't there something? No, well, there couldn't have been anything like that in the Blade movies because they had vampires killing each other. But I think it was, wasn't it, they couldn't kill Adam since he was the, 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 the father of all vampires, right? Or just. No, 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 you. No, he says in the movie, he says vampires cannot kill their own. Oh, that's right. So this okay. is this is again, this is this is smart writing on the part of uh, of, of uh, Smith or Graham Smith. Vampires cannot kill their own. He says only the living can destroy the dead. That's why Henry would have to get human assassins because he couldn't do it. Ah, that's yeah. why he was always looking for human assassins. So it made sense that, you know, as one, you know, as the years would go on, he would try to find another Another proxy, another someone who could, you know, stand in his place and actually slaughter the vampires. So the, I, I like that. I like that. And, you know, the fact that, you know, you know, you know, only the living can kill the dead. But um, but, yeah, that was great. You know, something I noticed that I didn't this time that I didn't remember last time was the fact that they killed Lil Willie, yo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, Damn. <laughs> You know, I thought maybe, okay, they just were going to come sneak in there. And, and, you know, you know how they do it in action movies. The uh, the villain will get near the the, pers- the the hero's kid and let him know, I can get close. I can touch you. I can touch you people, but I'm not going to. I'm like, damn, she just killed little Willie. Dang. Yeah, that was cold. Joe. Or, or, and, and they did kind of play on the trope of <laughs> when something like that happens to show the loss of innocent. Uh, the loss of innocence you have to have like like a toy drop like it's uh, it's almost as if a toy ball (laughs) should have dropped into the frame boom bounce (laughs) (laughs) he did drop his he dropped his little sword right exactly yeah 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 which Barry Todd gave back to that vampire which which that's the that's one of the only other scenes that was kind of contrived to me yeah it's all this chaos at the battle of Gettysburg they trying to, you know, mobilize and stop these vampires and everything. So me to tell me, Mary Ty got enough time to load little Willie's toy sword into this musket, <laughs> and, that, and, the, and that female vampire is just standing there, ha, ha, and just let her do it. Right. Run over there and kill her. But the vampire just, ha, ha. Right. I'm like, bruh. Come on now. And, got, and took one to the dome, yo. <laughs> exactly. But I get why it was done and it was satisfying. I was like, all right, fine, fine. Right, right. I mean, she essentially killed Mary Todd's, you know, then only child. So it, it gave uh, Mary uh, Elizabeth Winstead an opportunity, Something to, mm-hmm. you know, to have some agency and to have some, you know, to get her own revenge, you know. But you but you know what, though? That's, that is a trope in action movies, though. It's like, all right. You, you got the male hero. He, he taking out everybody. He doing his thing or whatnot. And then they'll have like a small scene of like maybe the wife of the hero. If she's in the lair or whatnot. She got to fight whoever the female is. Like say there's a female lieutenant. Right. Okay. The wife breaks loose. They're like, come on. Come 
on, bitch. I got you. I got you. And mm-hmm. then they have a punch up or whatever. And it's you know, just something to give her something to do. Like, I could get it too. <laughs> you're right. You're right. It is a trope that, uh, but like you said, it was so satisfying, you know, considering how how the movie had uh, had progressed up until that point where you just kind of forgave it. Right. You know, the vampire, she she basically runs into the uh, into the shot like uh, Johnny and at the end of a uh, karate kid, you know, running into that crane kick. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Just head first, you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, oh, I did have one kind of two kind of major crits, though, as far as okay. criticisms. Um. One was the CGI, which, like you said, for some of the fantastic and the action sequences, I was fine with it. Yeah. Even the horse stampede, <laughs> it it didn't lose me, but I agree with you. It went on just a bit too long. And then when they had their one horse come right at the camera, come right at you with his faces. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Mr. Ed, chill. Right. <laughs> But that one scene in the beginning of the movie where the camera pans over the over the town and you see the rooftops of all the houses. Yeah. And it's all CGI. It's all created. And you can see every brick, every shingle, every chimney, every every waft of smoke. And I'm just like, OK, this is so fake. And it just took me out immediately because everything else they shot mostly on location in uh, in New Orleans. OK, yeah. So a lot of the locations, you know, there were sound stages, of course, but there were a lot of actual natural locations that they shot at. That pharmacy is an actual pharmacy where they shot that scene at. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the scene where they're sailing down the river and then you see all these boats in the distance and you yep. can see every. Yeah, I was like, OK, come on, man. But you know what, though? I kind of like I kind of like those two scenes that the horse scene notwithstanding. I'm like, I agree with you. But a part where they're panning over Washington, D.C., and they're going back, they're receding back in the ages, you know, to just kind of show you, okay, here's the evolution of the town. And they're using the Washington Monument as like a, a, a midpoint to show, oh, man, they're, they're building the monument and we're going back in time and whatnot. I thought that was, that was kind of cool. But it is, it does play up to that thing that you do see in a lot of movies and TV shows now that use CGI like that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to see everything. When everything is in perfect focus, then it's like, what's the point? You get no depth of field. You get nothing. It just looks like one big painting, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. And I guess even when they would do matte paintings back in the day, you know, they were attempting to make it look as natural as possible. And this just looks like, you know, hey, we can do it. So why shouldn't we do it? And it's like, because that's not how vision works. That's not how, you know, eyeballs work. They don't they don't work that way. But my other criticism, and maybe there's something I missed in the storytelling. Did they ever really make clear in the movie why Adam and his band attacked Henry and his lady and why Adam turned Henry and then slaughtered her? Did they ever make that clear? Um to to the um to the former I just took it that they were just like, like, just, just marauders. You know, they were marauders back in like, 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 like the 1500s or whatnot, you know, <laughs> just doing their thing um, to the latter, why they turned him and then just ate her own up and everything. I don't know. I think, I think this is my personal opinion. I think because again, it's the innocence thing, you know, 
to 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 do that to the the beloved, you know. And you see how it oh, and that was terrifying to me. The way like when he was when Adam was biting her and just twirling her around and around and around and like this yeah. this deadly tango, this deadly dance, you know. And, and then he just looks over at Henry and say, like, "What you gonna do about it?" Can't do nothing now. You one of us now. And you see when Henry gets up to try and do something about it, that's when we find out it's illustrated that, oh, you you can't kill us. And you know, Adam just stared there like, what? Right. Can't do nothing. What? <laughs> right. So I think in the storytelling, that's why they did it that way to give Henry motivation to charge at Adam. And then to illustrate to us, once he tried to, he can't kill another vampire. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I guess the other thing Adam says, too, is, is after he, he drinks uh, uh, Henry's, uh, his lady love's blood, he says she was pure of heart. Yeah. And you're not. Mm. So maybe it was a taste thing where he tastes Henry's blood and he's like, ugh. <laughs> you know, and then he tastes her blood because there's there's like a there's like a whole kind of a sub thing sub I think in within the vampire uh, uh, mythos of you know virgins and pure you know the innocent tastes better you know what I'm saying there's a there's a there's a different you know there's a different you know ah uh, that they get from uh you know from uh from you know from killing innocents versus you know everybody else so I don't know. So he was so he was he was trying to drink Avion versus Dasani water. <laughs> <laughs> Henry was that Dasani just ah, mm, mm. right. Uh-huh. Let me get a bottle mm-hmm. of the Avion. Yeah, let me get Avion real quick. <laughs> yeah. One other slight criticism, yo. Uh, and this is just you know. My face was kind of balled up at, at, at Fair Skin Harriet Tubman, yo. Yeah, I totally, totally <laughs> agree. But you know what, though? His, and, and that's the crazy thing, too. And I'm glad you brought that up, all right? Now, we all know what the actual Harriet Tubman looks like. She was slight of stature, even though she was large in, in terms of bravery and for the exploits that she did. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see pictures of her, you know, we know what she looks like, but in every depiction nearly that you've seen of Harriet Tubman on screen, not just this movie, but a lot of other movies as well, they do give her a bit of more than a bit of an attractiveness that, you know, you're like, yeah, 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 so, yeah, I took a, I took a little umbrage at that. Yeah. Yeah, I did too, man. And and to be honest, I mean, I get it to some extent. Mm-hmm. You know, Mary Todd wasn't as pretty as Mary Elizabeth Winstead. That's right. Abe Lincoln was not as handsome as Benjamin Walker. Jimmy Simpson looked nothing like the real Joshua Speed. You know, there are pictures of these people. You know, these people are actors, so they're going to be attractive by nature. And I think maybe the closest they may have gotten with Harriet might be Cynthia Erivo. Uh, in the uh, in the Harry Tubby movie, which I haven't seen, but I've seen pictures of her, mm-hmm. and I'm a fan of of of, of Cynthia's, uh, you know, of uh, a lot of things she's done. Okay, you know, she's a really great actor, so that might be the closest, just in terms of giving you the presence and the look of Harriet Tubman on some level, as well as like someone who can really bring chops and and can make it, uh, you know, perform it well. But yeah, 
as far as trivia goes, man, uh, we talked a little bit about a few things, but um, Abraham Lincoln, and you may already know this as a, as a history buff, but he kept journals for most of his life. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that aspect of the movie and then them being able to like that as a through line, a true through line would be great because that's how Mary found out exactly what it is that Henry was doing at night. You know, he was keeping it a secret from her. And she, you know, I said, no, I shouldn't have read your journals, but I did, you know, and I found out, you know, and, you know, and that just as, like I said, just as something that mirrors his true life was actually kind of a cool touch because all throughout the movie, he's writing these journals and keeping it in his breast pocket or in his coat pocket. Um, and because uh, his mother, apparently when he was a little boy, his mother impressed upon him that the written word was a very powerful thing. So she encouraged him to write. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. And then uh, also, too, the uh, the book actually was published and released as the movie was going into production. So S- Graham Smith had actually written Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies, and they optioned it before the book was ever finished. Oh, damn. And then went into, and then they went into production while he was finishing the book. And then when the book came out, that's where, like the first couple few days of production on the movie. That's when it uh, that's when it happened. So. Oh wow, that's that's crazy. That's like on some Game of Thrones type thing. I'm writing a book as we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, hey man, I had one hot take. Okay. It's hot take, dog. All right how how hot is it? It's hot, dog. Fire hot. All right. Okay. Okay. And it, and it's and it's apropos to our last episode. The look of this film to me would have made a fire. Howard Chaykin comic adaptation. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Sir. Yeah. The hats and the costumes, uh, the the way the shots were framed, the villain Adam, the guns, you know, all the retro the retro look of it. And and look, I don't want new Chaykin who knows who's a better, you know, his figure drawing has improved, who's a better draftsman. I want black and white, star reach. Black and white Marvel comics. I want scritchy scratch shaking. You yo. want that? You want that? You want that Solomon Kane with them stripe with that stripe with them striped shirts, yo? See, see. Now you own what I'm on. That's what I want, sir. You want that Mark and Kane? Yes. Yes. Yes, yo. Yes, yo. I, I I would be with it. I would buy all of that, yo, if I could have gotten that, yo. That's exactly what I want. Yeah, you know, that's interesting that you say that. Yeah, because I, I kind of had a similar thought as well, for sure. Yeah. But um, another high take, man. You remember how back in the 90s and the 2000s, how brothers was would rock the chin strap beard? Yes. Abe Lincoln made that popular, yo. Abe Lincoln rocked the first chin strap beard, yo. <laughs> <laughs> Man, shoot. He had, it's like he took a pair of earmuffs and just turned them upside down, yo. Like that thing covered like his whole chin. Like, God. But I will say this, though. Benjamin Walker really did a great job as Abe Lincoln, man. He rocked it, dog. Like, like he sold it from young Abe to older President Abe. I was like, he would change like the timbre of his voice as when he got older. I was like, oh man, he did such a great job. Yeah, and the look of it, the height and everything. Yeah, totally. He he was a perfect casting choice because he was tall. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of not lanky per se like Lincoln was, but you know, thin enough where you know he could pull that off. And um, yeah, he did a he did a wonderful job, man. Really wonderful job. Um, just great casting. And um, and I like the fact that they gave Anthony Mackie. He was more than just the black best friend. You know, he had more to do in the movie. You know, he had his own. You know, he had his own wits about him. And I like the fact that they gave Mackie. You know, the movie is. You know, there's a lot of martial arts, and I guess what you would call. You know. Uh, Axe Fu instead of Gun Fu or, or yeah. Kung Fu. <laughs> Axe Fu. <laughs> and, you know, lots of fight choreography and all of that. But I like the fact that they gave Anthony Mackie kind of a, a, a Cabrero. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, ca- ca- Cabrero. Yeah, Cabrero fighting style. Cabrero. Cabrero, yeah. Yeah, they gave him that kind of kind of a fighting style, you know, when he was uh, having to defend himself, you know, which, you know, has its roots in, you know, in, in the Afro-Latin uh, community. Yep. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. So I thought that was really cool. And they gave him a bit of Chow Yun fat too with the two guns, yo. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I keep going back to Django, yo. I got two guns. <laughs> <laughs> you got six shots, Will Johnson, but I got two guns though. <laughs> but um and again, as far as the writing goes, man, I really love, you know, when Adam is talking face to face. You know, with his ultimate uh, uh, nemesis, Abe Lincoln. And he tells him, he says, you know, you know, we are all slaves. I'm a slave to eternity. You're a slave to your convictions. They're slaves because of the color of their skin. I thought that was a great tying it all together. You know, in all of his 5000 years, he has learned some things. And this is it. You're getting the benefit of a 5000 year perspective. I thought that was that was a great quote and and a great line to write out of the mouth of someone who's lived for ages and ages. And it usually takes the villain. A good villain will do that in a good movie like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wouldn't sound right coming from the hero's mouth or any of the other characters. But sometimes you got to have the bad guy say something that only the bad guy could say. You know how people say, like, well, I guess I have to be the bad guy in this case and just tell the truth. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but overall, man, just just a really wonderful, fun, thrilling. Uh, I mean, I mean, dude, we've seen a hundred vampire movies and TV shows in our time. Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and for and for something to come along and still be, have it, you know, have it be, you know, something that catches our attention and, and that entertains us, man, uh, is just a testament to the uh, to the to the film and to the filmmakers and the production, man. I. I but I really, I really dug it, and um, you know, I don't care what the critics say, I don't care what Rotten Tomato says, you know, I really, I stand by this movie for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I even added it to my collection, man. So yeah, totally agree. concludes this episode of Sidebar Forever, hosted by Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson. You can find us online at sidebarforever.com. Any emails or questions can be directed to us at sidebarforever at gmail.com. And also, subscribe to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram.